welcome to The Coaching Question, the podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, what it is and how to use it. And I'm really excited about today's topic because I'm hoping that I personally am going to learn something. So Greg, I'm going to hand over to you as you introduce our fabulous guest. And me too. I am going to learn loads. Kate Usher is an experienced coach and change strategist with a specialist in menopause and gender equality. She works with women and organizations to create simple strategies that enable modern and supportive menopause conversations. And this increases awareness of this life phase, its pivotal impact on equality across the workforce and representation in senior and executive positions. And I wasn't aware of this, but she's an internationally published author with a book called Your Second Phase, Reclaiming Work and Relationships During and After Menopause. And not only that, she was shortlisted for the Business Book of the Year Award 2021. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And our question, to get straight into the question, our start question is, what is menopause coaching and, and why should we be bothered about it in organisations? Well, it's, I mean, it's a great question because most of us don't even know what menopause is. So menopause coaching on top of that is, is another massive question. So essentially menopause is a life phase that's going to affect 50% of the population directly and the other 50% indirectly. And because of the nature of menopause, women cannot leave their symptoms at the security gate or, you know, to the side of their Zoom camera. So it's the coaching around that is it's about enabling women to retain their careers and support their families and maintain their lifestyle um, and keep their pensions. But it's also about supporting the people around them, so managers and their teams, to be able to have those open and supportive conversations around about this inevitable life phase. So because menopause has for so long had this taboo around it, we need some help in how to have those conversations because we're really at the starting block as far as that's concerned. I know I pick up on that thing you said about keep their pensions because I mean a lot of women actually drop out of the workforce. The little bit of research I've been able to do says that women just drop out of the workforce. And I'll share that my wife was perimenopausal. Um, I'm 56. She's in her, I'm not going to tell her age, but she was perimenopausal. And then she got breast cancer and she was on tamoxifen. And so she was having incredible hot flushes. And I didn't realize that in a hot flush, the, your skin temperature rises six degrees within three seconds. You know, I was thinking, well, if men were doing that, they would be saying, I had 17 yesterday. You know, it become a competition, you know, whereas <laughs> women have been, I suppose, the, the, the social stigma is we train ourselves not to talk about it, but it's there. But I hadn't thought about that. But women dropping out of the workforce can really damage their pensions and then really damage you know, their later life as well. I'd never thought of that. Absolutely. Well, the the confirmed statistic at the moment is 10% of all women leave paid employment altogether. However, there is much discussion about the fact that that could be as high as... Um, you know, a quarter of all women, so 25% of all women leave paid employment altogether. Um, and 
the reason that it's it's a bit grey in that area is because if a woman is unable to go to her employer and say, I need support, she's highly unlikely then to have a conversation at her exit interview and say, do you know what? The reason I've decided to go is because of my menopause. If they can't say it to retain their, their job, they certainly won't say it on the way out. So, the figure is much higher, but we don't look at the social implication of what that exit actually means. And we need to consider it in the round. So we need to look at what that actually means for us as a culture and as a society. There's also this point that I found that actually menopausal women are the fastest growing workforce demographic. Yep. And uh, so 50 to 55 is the fastest growing employed demographic in this country at the moment. You know, and the, the government said that at the beginning of last year, that there were 1.9 million more women in employment than there were a decade ago. So it's massively growing. And and, um, that's the reason why we're having to talk about it more than we ever were, is that there are more of us in the workplace and we want to stay there. We want to keep our financial benefits. We want to ensure that we keep our ambitions intact mm. and, and that we stay in the workplace for all the reasons that we talk about for everybody. And if I think about some of the work I do around diversity and inclusion, you know, having gender balance at senior levels is a business enabler in terms of business performance. So we need to have women in the workforce. Can I just can I just almost just take a step back for a second? So I know we've sort of talked about the menopause. I know there is a sort of a classic age. Is it 51? Am I right in thinking that typically it's 51? But I mean, the window either side of that can be massive, can't it? Yeah. So the average age of menopause in this country is 51. In fact, in the Western world, it's 51. Right. But the average age that you will experience your symptoms is somewhere between the age of 45 and 55. And the average time that you will experience your symptoms for is four to eight years, although I regularly speak to women who are in excess of 10. And there are over 40 symptoms and they cover the whole breadth of our life and how we live it. But the important thing there is that 1% of all women have their menopause before the age of 40. And that includes, you know, young girls in their teens, women in their 20s and their 30s. And that's natural and because of medical treatment. So we are not talking as our social perception defines it. We're not talking about an older woman Mm -hmm. who is on her, you know, the rundown into retirement. If you imagine the average age is 45, that you are having those first symptoms, you've got over 20 years of your career left to go. So you've got time for another career. You've got time to go and really pursue those senior roles, or you've got time to say, you know what, I've always wanted to be, whatever it might be. And go out there and get that. We have to change our mindset that it's okay because we're only a step away from retirement. We're a long way and we're at our most valuable at this point, just like men are. We are in our ascendancy. It's no different for women at this point. We've had a couple of decades of investment. We are experienced We have incredible knowledge and ability and networks. And therefore, losing us at this point is incredibly costly to any organization. So there's a a massive benefit for an organization in terms of retention. So it's a massive 
idea in terms of you're going to get a great return on investment if you supply some menopause coaching and then that's going to help someone. And that could be coaching for a, a, a male leader to deal with people in his team uh, going through that process. Absolutely. Can you give us an idea or give our listeners an idea about what a, a menopause coaching engagement might look like? Okay. So, well, it depends who it's for, really. So if we're talking about a woman, if we're talking about one-to-one with women, or we're talking about with a manager, they're different. Because if I'm talking to a menopausal woman, it's about understanding what's going on for her. Because women come to this phase of life often unprepared and unaware because we don't talk about it enough. It's about ensuring that we actually understand the width and breadth of what's going on for her. And as is the way with menopause, you get like one or two core symptoms which affect absolutely everything. So it could be the hot flushes, it could be sleep deprivation, whether that's through night sweats or insomnia, or it could be depression or anxiety, which we're talking about far more than we have ever done, which is great we absolutely start to look at what happens when they occur and we look at how they impact her and the tools and techniques that she can use to gain control of those symptoms. And it is about recognising that this, although it goes on for a very, very long time it and symptoms never take a day off, it is a journey. And on the other side of this, Women are far more powerful than they have ever been. And we need to focus on the end, the light at the end of the tunnel, and not just focus on where they are and the agony that they're in at the time. If it's a manager, then it's very much about giving them the skills, whether they are male or female, whatever age, it's about giving them the skills to confidently support women through this process. and. Managers are often concerned about causing offence. How do we have that conversation? And it's very, it is about giving them the tools to open the door, to create that pathway for conversations from their, their team members so that they have an open door policy, if you like. The problem is, is when nobody talks about it, nobody understands what it is, and women are extremely isolated. And then the pressure starts to build on the manager and and that just does not help them out. And if I think about how this relates to the work that I do, which is different, but when I do the maternity coaching, for me, there's something that's quite, quite clean about that in the sense that there's a very clear transition. There's some very defined, you know how long your pregnancy is going to be, you know, you have a due date, you know how long you're going to take off maternity leave, you know when you're coming back. And so there's something more manageable, something more controlled around that, which also as a line manager means that I, I maybe feel more able to manage that period. Whereas this, as you say, is just so big and unwieldy and unpredictable. It makes it very difficult to manage. Yeah, it's it somehow feels like this big amorphous mass, doesn't it? That's kind of, <laughs> it's like the blob going all over the place. And it, it feels like that for women as well, it has to be said. It's the, the variability of menopause and the uniqueness of menopause for each woman. So each woman essentially has a menopause fingerprint. The uniqueness of it and the variability of it make it 
very difficult for organizations to have a standardized approach. And that, let's face it, is one of the reasons why they have felt very reticent to get into this space. And and that's completely understandable for all the reasons that you said, you know, like pregnancy is nine months and then it's a year uh, with decreasing levels of support and then women come back and then there's the whole issue of childcare. And then it periods, that's like somewhere between one to two weeks a month, but they're all contained, whereas menopause has no container. And it's about ensuring that you create a flexible platform that women can use for whatever they may need at whatever point within those years. Because it does change. It's not like a fixed event that keeps going all, you know, and they're off and it starts and it keeps going all the way to the end and then they get to the end line and then that's it. But it's not like that. It's It undulates and it changes just to make it even more complicated. So women will need to speak to their manager on a regular basis so that they ensure that they are working together. It's a business negotiation. From what I have picked up on is that there's, it's becoming a, a more of a, sort of a hot topic, if you like, and that there's a lot more being talked about, you know, there's stuff on Instagram. And I feel like there was that TV program, which I haven't managed to watch yet, but um, Davina McCall did a TV program, didn't she? So there's definitely getting more, more attention. But what I'm interested in is the kind of the intersection that you're at, which is there's the information, but actually what you provide is that really kind of personalised coaching support, which is going to be quite different from what I might get from my GP or from conversations with my friends or from an Instagram account. It's very much about your experience as an individual woman, because it's all, everybody is different and everybody's needs are different and the impact on our life is different. So you need to look at the sort of web that your life is and the web of symptoms on top of that. Because let's say a woman is suffering from hot flushes and night sweats, that's her core symptom. Now, what hangs off that? So she could also have loss of verbal recall or brain fog, as its cute and cuddly name is. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like early onset Alzheimer's. And those two together, so if she's having hot flushes and night sweats, she's not sleeping properly. And that lack of sleep then is aggravating her loss of verbal recall. It's also affecting her confidence because she can no longer confidently stand up or hold a meeting or speak to her colleagues in the way that she used to and know that what she was going thinking of it would come out of her mouth. Because what actually happens is you start along a sentence and then suddenly it's disappeared or a name's gone completely. And it's that kind of thing where you're saying, oh, you know the one, you know the person who does that, you know how... But if that is a whole meeting's worth of it, it can be devastating. I was speaking to someone yesterday. They're a high-powered woman. They have stopped having meetings because they feel so bad about what's happening to them that they don't feel confident in their ability anymore. Also, with the lack of sleep that's coming with the night sweats, you make very poor food choices, putting on weight. And she could also be having 
issues around uh, her mood swings because the lack of sleep actually aggravates that. That can, of course, add to any feelings of anxiety. Anxiety is massive during menopause and that can be feeding panic attacks and depression. So you see that this web is, is growing and how that impacts her at work is also impacting her at home. So if she has a significant relationship, it's, it's affecting that as well because they're not mind readers they don't know what's going on either and it can if they've got children it's affecting those relationships and if it's affecting those really critical relationships in their life then that's affecting how they feel about themselves as well because they'll be thinking oh gosh I'm a terrible mother I'm a terrible partner my, my relationship's going down the drain what am I doing it's really awful and it's about okay let's take this out apart piece by piece by piece and let's look at it all and what happens when so it's a little bit of like a CBT conversation so what happens when X occurs so what happens when you have a hot flush what goes through your mind what are you thinking are you thinking oh my god everyone's staring at me it's really bad and I I can't do this I can't do this when actually people are thinking oh she looks hot and if you say do you know, I'm having a hot flush. Is it, let's go and listen to this person in the room. Like, you know, Dave's going to take over for this minute just while I let this pass. And then I'm going to come back in and take over. That's far more empowering than going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so hot trying to scrabble around, get the fan. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, that is disempowering. It's about saying, okay, these are the things we can do this is how we're going to put it into practice, then we're going to see how it feels then. Because all these symptoms take your sense of control and giving Mm. you back even a kernel of control allows you to say, okay, I've got this. I know what I'm doing now. Mm. And what I love about what you just described there is I had this strong sense of just being heard. So if I'm feeling like, you know, things are falling apart at work, things are falling apart at home, and I'm thinking, oh my God, am I, what am, what's happening to me? Actually, I can come and have a session with you and feel understood and be able to just articulate what's going on and then find some strategies that are going to work for me. So I, I love what you've just explained. That sounds very much needed. Gregor, I think you wanted to, to ask something. First of all, there's this thing about it was easy to think there's probably a, a lot of mentoring involved, but what you were describing there, Kate, is a lot of real coaching happening there. But there is an element of mentoring to it, it sounds like. There's a fair amount of skills transfer stuff. This, the main thing that's gone through my head is I coach a lot of reasonable senior leaders, and but I reckon 80 to 90% of my roster will be male. So I've got two things as a male coach. One is coaching some senior women in their 50s who may well be going through and probably going through menopause. What can I as a male coach do to support her? So that's one thing that's gone through my mind. But the other thing that's gone through my mind is a thing uh, that Peter Hawkins said um, after the 2008 financial crash. He said, well, where were all the coaches? In terms of should the coaches have been more challenging? So I'm thinking about some of my senior male clients and saying, just bring it into the conversations. And what what are you doing about menopause? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What are you doing about menopause? Yeah. The ethical question is, do we have a responsibility as coaches with senior leaders 
to be bringing up as a topic because we're injecting something into the conversation. And I think considering the importance of it, I think when we would probably have arguments about this with some other coaches, I think I probably do have an ethical consideration. I certainly bring up gender diversity and, you know, if somebody's looking at their exec team and they've only got one woman, I'm saying, what are you doing? Why have you only got one woman? Yeah, I think that, and and that's that's the issue here is that we all, the taboo around menopause has made it an uncomfortable question for all of us. And there are very strong reasons why we have that taboo and we can go over that in a moment. But I think, any organisation that is looking at its gender diversity has to question and look at how it retains its women through this phase of its of their lives. And if they are finding that they get like a drop-off of female employees just, just at the point where they're either having children, then returning from children, and then again when they're hitting those menopause years – then they are blindly going through this and losing some of their, you know, their best or most useful talent, whatever it might be. We're talking across the whole organisation because we need women in all of the organisation from top to bottom. We need female representation everywhere. But if they need to have that long, hard look at themselves and say, you know, are we losing women at this point in their lives? Because the statement of, well, there just aren't the women to employ or promote or any of those sorts of terms that you so frequently you hear, that doesn't wash anymore. That's not an acceptable response because it's the organization's responsibility to look at why they are actually losing their female employees at that time. So I think it's a it's a, a very ethical question, what about menopause? Because it's the only thing in the well-being sphere that affects guaranteed 50% of the working population. I think one of the things you've just given me there is an, is an easy in because the people are concerned about gender diversity and there's a real connection there. Well, if you don't have sufficient things in place for menopause, you're going to suffer from lack of gender diversity. Yep. So there's a really strong connection there. That I hadn't really, I feel a bit stupid now, I hadn't really made that connection before. Well, I'd even add in the maternity piece because organisations, I mean, again, not all organisations are here, but organisations are increasingly waking up to the importance of supporting women through maternity because it's such an important and, and fundamental life-changing event and pinch point in terms of their career. And so if an organisation is going to support women through that phase, why would they not support women through menopause? I mean, just one goes with the other, surely. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's we need to look at this as a, uh, a more joined-up approach. We've had this kind of scattergun kind of, well, let's deal with that. Well, let's deal with that. Well, let's deal with that. Instead of looking at... You know, we're, these incredible, amazing women are entering our workforce, but we don't pay any attention to them. And at the point at which they start to become very valuable to us, we are ignoring them and they're leaving. Maternity is, is you know, a human inevitability at some point for some women. And therefore, we, we need mm. to support women. It's archaic to have that approach that, you know, well, they'll just have to deal with this whole process in the way that they always have because <laughs> we are becoming more present in the workplace and they need us there for all of the, you know, the reasons that we've said. 
So they need to incorporate maternity and then menopause to ensure that we stay in the workforce and that the organisations benefit from our contribution. And that's essentially where it comes down to. And that's the point at which I think this gets interesting because you've got it at two sides. So women are coming into this and saying, actually... I, I want to keep my, my salary, I want to keep my career and I want to keep my pension. So I need to have a discussion about this. Organisations are coming in on the other side saying these women are really valuable to us because we've invested heavily to ensure that we've got them to this point. We don't want them to walk out the, walk out the door because not only are we losing their skills, but we lo- we spend money recruiting and bringing up to speed the next person on the way in and if that that is not a woman and that is a man then our gender diversity drops further and our reputation is at risk so you know there is a huge there's a lot of things at play here so you can see that the re- one of the reasons why this is becoming more of a hot topic, ha, 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 as far as hot flushes are concerned, um, <laughs> is, <laughs> <laughs> is that we've got two pressing financial issues. And really, when it comes down to it, it's going to be a financial decision that makes organisations take note. I mean, Standard, I think it's Standard Chartered and the Fawcett Society are doing a massive piece of research at the moment into uh, how menopause affects women in the finance industry and banking and to see if it is impacting not only whether they stay or not, but also their trajectory inside the organisations. So it's, it's gaining some momentum. I love the power of a story and my perception was changed completely by listening to P.D. James, you know, the, the great author in her 80s on Desert Island Discs. Kirsty, she asked, if you could go back to any age, what would it be? And without a pause, P.D. James said, oh, it's easy, mid-50s. And Kirsty was quite surprised. She goes, oh, I'm quite surprised. I thought you would have been some much younger. And I said, oh, no, no. I was just really coming into my prime in terms of my work in my mid-50 and all that hormonal rubbish was over. Yeah. But the hormonal rubbish being over was one thing. It was a fact that she was saying, I was really just coming into my prime professionally at that time. And that really resonated with me and it sat with me prior to thinking about anything to do with menopause. And I just love that story. And I I see so much of that in the coaching work that I do, because I do a lot of work with women, um, obviously a lot in terms of my maternity coaching, but also other types of coaching as well. And I think that where women have had children and they've had, you know, their career has often taken a bit of a hit or a bit of a backseat or just slowed down slightly whilst they're having small children and, and juggling all of that. And if I speak just personally, you know, my children are that bit older now that as I head into my 50s, absolutely, this is the time when I'm going to have more confidence, more experience, more self-assuredness, all of that kind of stuff that I might not have had in my 20s or my 30s. Plus, my kids are independent and I'm actually free. If I want to go and take a job that takes me around the world, I can. And exactly to that point of being in your prime, having that freedom to maybe do things differently. And for this to then hit at that point, it's a bit of a bummer, frankly. 
<laughs> More than yeah, that. I, I'm nodding, nodding wildly to every single bit. And it is a bummer. It's a huge bummer. And women always complain and say, you know, it's just so unfair. It's so unjust that it comes at this point when I've, I've returned from having children and now I've got to deal with this. You know, it's so unfair. My career's taken a backseat and now it's just starting to cycle up and really get going and, and I've, I've got to confront all of this. But, I mean, your menopause if you step outside of the symptoms for a moment, the hormonal change inside your body is actually driving you to do two things. So it is driving you to reassess how you live your life, how you define the next phase, the second phase of your life. And that's because how you eat, how you drink, how you live your life, what kind of lifestyle you have, it's saying, come on, let's get it in order for the next phase because it's a big one and we need to make sure that we're fit and healthy and we're, we're good to go. But also with the change in hormones inside your body, you are about to become more powerful. And I said this earlier than you have ever been because... Your estrogen is your mothering hormone and it's when that subsides to your prepubescent levels, you push yourself from the back of the queue. So it's the one that makes us the great placators, the great nurturers, the um, relationship developers. We're the ones that pull things together and knit things together. But when it starts to subside, then we elbow our way to the front of the queue and we never, ever leave it again. So what we want suddenly becomes more important than it has ever been. And we become very focused on that outcome. So women, as far as their careers and their jobs are concerned, if that's what they want, they are a force to be reckoned with at that point. And that is the value at the end of this. It's the pot of gold at the end of this. But we have to actualize it. We have to step into it and be it and become it. And that's why P.D. James was saying what she said, because the power on that side of it is the accumulation of everything that life has given you to that point. But it's a release and a springboard as well. And that's a really lovely, positive note to start wrapping up, which looking at the time we have to do, we always like to ask our guests if they have any uh, top tips for our listeners. Um, so, okay, what would, what would your top tips be? Okay, so I think my first top tip would be awareness. And that's for women and everybody in the workplace. So it's about understanding what the menopause is, the reality of what it is, not just the urban myths that surround it and the taboo and the bias and everything else. It's about what it is. Because when we all know what it is, then all of the rest of that just melts away. So that's, that's a cornerstone of dealing with menopause in the workplace. The second tip is create a pathway. And that is to enable women to come to your door and say, this is what's going on for me and, uh, and I need support. And that support is X or Y, this is what's really troubling me and my career is really important to me and I need the support in order to continue with that. So create a pathway, the steps that women can take in order to actually get into that space. 
And lastly, I think really importantly, we need to support managers because managers are as prone to this discomfort as everybody else is when talking about menopause. And they need coaching, they need support in order to feel comfortable talking about menopause with their female staff and in order to have a a conversation which is supportive and open and enables their teams to work at their their best throughout this phase in life. That is brilliant. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Kate. And I I suppose the question that pops into my mind then as I was hearing you say that is if if I'm a listener, if I work in HR, if I'm a leader and I'm thinking, okay, I think I need to I need to do something about this. I need to take some take some steps. Um, Can people contact you or, you know, how how might people take action on, on all of those three points you've just very good points you've just raised? Okay, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there. You can contact me via my website, which is www.secondphase.co.uk, or you can find me on Twitter or on YouTube as Kate Usher, the menopause coach. And there's loads of free stuff on there. Well, that's brilliant. So really good resources, and we'll put those in the in the show notes as well. That was really good, Kate. Really interesting. Thank you so much. Be good to keep in touch. I'm going to find you on LinkedIn and follow you and uh, watch the stuff that you're putting out there because it sounds like it's really, really valuable. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. We appreciate any feedback and we're keen to respond to any questions that are out there about using and implementing coaching in organisations, this time menopause coaching. And so please email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com We'll put some stuff in the show notes and please, if you do have the time, give us a rating. People ask for a five-star rating on iTunes because that really helps us spread the word. I hope you've enjoyed this session and thanks for listening.